Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome, and I'll be taking you for the good gardening stroll shortly. Mr. Kelly, before you get away. Yes. One of the weeks you were gone, didn't you go back and f- to your family roots and run yes. into all kinds of people? Did you look at people's faces and see yourself there? N- no, not really, because we're this family reunion is is not like cousins, and I have an uncle and his wife, my aunt, obviously, who are the head of it. But other than that, I don't really know these people. They're right. like, it's really a wide-ranging organization. So they don't so, look like you or anything? No, no. Not Which they're lo- very happy about. <laughs> I can kind of understand. Yeah. And even my <laughs> uncle is my half-uncle because uh, my grandmother died when my mother was young. Whoa. So we're not even like, you know, we're like half-related. Ah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. You have a very strange family. Uh, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> but I think everybody's is. I was yeah. just curious because I know you said you know, before you left you were going to run into people that you had no clue who they yeah. were or anything else. We see each other at the reunions, which we go to about every two or three years. Right. And so we know we're a few of badge. them. Oh, yeah, you have to. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know you act like you know them all along. Oh, I bet are you. Yeah, good thing you had your name tag on, buddy. <laughs> but they're all wonderful you. people. We had a great time. Yes. Well, great. I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed. Thank you. We missed you. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> yes, folks. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Questions, comments, or concerns. Every Saturday morning we get together and we're going to discuss. Your yard, your landscape, your garden, your house plants, your potting mixes versus soil improvement. Oh, how are those versus each other? Pruning, bugs, diseases, planting removals, planting installations. Remember my words, open opportunities. After that, it's going to take effort on your part in this great marathon called gardening. There is no sprints out there. And today's show, yes, I appreciate you being there. Because if you weren't there, I would not be here. Thanks to Greg. He's producing again today. He's not sick of the Garden Hotline quite yet. He's kind of on the cusp. But anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home. And we take a look at the things, your concerns and things like that. And I also keep my eyes out or (laughs) eyes open for something that may be impacting your landscape that you haven't considered. Today after the show, I'm headed to Webster Groves. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will be an email address and phone number where I can be reached. And today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3. Three, four, four. Well, I, you know, every day, every, well, I shouldn't say every day, but every Saturday I think, hmm, where am I going to go for the good gardening stroll today? And uh, Tracy and I passed this place 
I guess it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. As we were headed back towards home, we'd gone downtown. She wanted to kind of see Keener Plaza and blah, 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 all this other stuff. So we never really take the fast route back. So anyway, this place has uniquely painted concrete barriers. It kind of sets the tone of the whole place. There's a wire sculpture of a bee, you know, probably like three or four feet high, maybe three or four feet, uh, you know, long. Where is this? Well, this is Benton Park West Community Garden. It's another one of those community garden circumstances where there's individual plots that you can rent. I'm assuming maybe you get it for free. I don't know. But it's sponsored by Gateway Greening and then Benton Park West Neighborhood Association. And this is one of the newest community gardens. In this area where it is, it's on Jefferson at Arsenal, basically. Uh, there used to be, like, I, I forget what kind of buildings there, but there used to be somebody that always had trucks, and they'd have all these kind of crazy, you know, rugs and stuff hanging all over the trucks, and I don't know if they ever sold any or not or whatever actually happened. But anyway, that is all gone, and now it's this kind of really cool garden, community garden. And the perimeter plantings, everything from bachelor buttons to corn to sunflowers to amaranthus to purple coneflowers to some kale and the lawn on the inside around all the bed spaces recently mowed. So individual garden plots included more amaranthus. Wow, that stuff is prolific in this particular garden. There was some zucchini, and surprisingly enough, I'm standing there, and today I happen to have on a red KMOX shirt. So I'm just kind of looking around, deciding what I'm going to do as far as the next noting. And uh, in relationships with a good gardening stroll. And all of a sudden, I see a hummingbird. And then the hummingbird comes up to me, I guess because of the red. And he just sort of like hovers right in front of me for about 10 or 15 seconds. It kind of really caught me by surprise. But it's kind of cool to see because, you know, hummingbirds are generally migratory. But uh, I guess this one decided to stay around. There's other things you can see, you know, in the garden spaces. There's several varieties of tomatoes. There's cabbage. There's Brussels sprouts. Who grows Brussels sprouts? There's some fancy gourds growing. There's some yellow squash. And then there's about, um, hmm, there's yellow squash flowers. And then there's also some produce or some squash that's already been produced. So this is really kind of a dichotomy of more to come after you harvest what there is there. There's going to be also some basil. There's going to be garden plots that are empty, ready for fall planting. There's beans that are climbing up over arbors and trellises. There's onions ready to be harvested. There's five-foot-plus milkweeds. There's dill. There's composting areas. There's a wheelbarrow that you can borrow. I guess there's no actually, let's say, active water to this space, so they have these water tanks. So you fill up, I'm assuming, buckets from these water tanks, has probably cubes maybe four feet by four feet by four feet. So that would be, let's see, 16, 16 times four. Anyway, any how many cubic feet is that? Doesn't matter. And uh, as the sun gets higher in the sky, I think, hmm. And the morning doves are cooing. The other birds are twittering. It's a great morning. And this was a very nice morning. It was a nice change from what we've had recently. So it was a perfect time to go Walk around the Benton Park West Community Garden. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. My advice to you is get out there and water. And, you know, I, I, when I'm in people's homes or when people call, you know, there's always some kind of confusion on how long you should run water, whether it's irrigation systems, sprinklers, or anything else. The secret is, of course, if you want to, you can just measure by having a bowl or a rain gauge and put it you know, underneath your irrigation system, and you just want to make sure that your landscape throughout the entire thing gets about an inch of water every seven days. But another way to do it, if you don't want to fool around with trying to measure and do this other stuff, is like so many people when the irrigation system, they say put it on for like seven minutes or five minutes, you know, every day of the week. After you do that, just go out and dig a little bit, like, you know, a few inches and see how far down that water has penetrated. If it hasn't gone beyond the very near the surface, it's not doing any good for your plant material at all. It's probably causing more problems than you could imagine of all kinds of different sorts. Where psychologically you think you're doing good for your plants, you're not. So you want to make sure the water is going penetrating down a couple inches. That's why I always say, depending upon your system and what you're doing, you know, water for about uh, any place between 30 and 45 minutes a couple times a week. Let's head to South County for the first caller, and that's Marie. Hi, Marie. Hello. Thanks for your info. Sure. Uh, I had a question about watering, too. I have uh, azaleas and rhododendrons, and I don't know if they're both shallow-rooted, if they should be watered uh, more than once a week in the inch, or if I should split it up. Uh, It's up to you. You can split it up if you want to. Yeah, they are very surface-rooted. So, but if you have mulch here, that's going to act as an insulator. That certainly is a helpful thing. Only a couple inches of mulch. You don't need big piles or you don't need a deep, you know, three inches probably maximum. But uh, just so you're getting that inch of water, you know, onto the plant material, onto the root systems of the azaleas or rhododendrons every week. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any mulch. So is it better to split it up to a couple times a week or? Well, it's just, you know, it just depends. Are you watering with an irrigation system or sprinklers? It's sprinklers right now, but we're going to get an irrigation. I would say probably a couple times a week. Okay. And um, the rhododendrons are also shallow-rooted? Absolutely. Okay. And um, is this in- injections for the pine oaks, is that effective at all? Uh, let's, now, what are you going after? The golf. Okay. It helps some. It will, you know, basically, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna get rid of the galls that are already there. It may sort of like limit the amount of galls there's gonna be. But the injection system, depending upon how big your tree is, they inject it fairly low to the ground, and then it's got to go up through the vascular system, and then it interrupts, you know, the, basically the insects as they are in that larvae, which causes that gall after they hatch. So it does help some, but it's not going to eradicate the problem. Okay. Okay, so it could be helpful. Right. Yeah, these are pretty, you know, these trees are over 50 years old. Ooh. It, it wouldn't be too effective? It w- I mean, it's just going to take a long time for this to be translocated up to the, t- you know, the top of the trees or up to the branches where the galls are being, you know, formed by this larvae. 
So it actually it interferes with the larvae being developed? Yes, right. What it does is kill it. So the female lays the eggs, then when the eggs hatch on the outside of the branch, when the eggs hatch and they burrow in, in some way they form this gall, and that's a protective mechanism that they've, this particular, you know, wasp has developed, you know, for whatever reason, however, or anything else, and it's just, you know, it's a real heartache. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sure is. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's stay fairly close to South County and go into Crestwood. Dennis, how are you today? Fine, thank you, Michael. I I have a relatively healthy fescue lawn. Do you recommend cut and bag or mulching when mowing? I, I don't know which is the right thing to do at this time of year. If your clippings are short, you know, one inch or less, so in other words, when you look back after you've gone over one stretch with your mower and you don't see a bunch of, let's say, clipped grass blades that have just recently been mowed laying on top of the grass where you just cut, then, you know, it doesn't really matter all that much. Personally, I like just to mulch because if you bag it, there's an advantage to not bagging it and to mulching it because the mulch, when you cut it and mulch it up, then it falls down in between the plant, the, the blades, and if it's not too long, the nutrients of the grass plant that you've cut off can be reused by, the you know, let's say, the crowns of the plants that are still there. So, in other words, you're just... You're cutting off kind of the tip, and that's where all the nutrients end up. So you're kind of refertilizing very subtly by mulching. And it's a lot easier to mulch <laughs> than bag. You are kidding. There's a guy off the street from me that lives kind of catty-cornered on the opposite corner, and he bags, you know, his mulch. I mean, he bags his, you know, clippings. And, I mean, we live in the city. We don't have huge yards. I mean, he has to dump that bag several times. It's just kind of amazing. Exactly. I I appreciate your answer. It makes my life easier. Thank you. Well, thanks, Dennis. And now let's head north to Florissant and go into Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, my couple questions, if I may. Is it too late to fertilize the zoysia again? No, no. You want to do it every month. Okay. So wow, okay. month and with the last feeding, uh, let's say early September. Okay. And the, uh, sh- can, is it too late to cut back the azaleas and the roses? Uh, you're right on. Roses, no, definitely not. You don't have to cut them back, you know, if you don't want to, generally, depending upon what type you have. They're if, knockouts. Yeah, knockouts. What I, I have four knockout roses growing in pots. Three of them I cut back after the first flush. The other one, the fourth one, I just let go to see what the difference would be. There's really not that much difference if you cut them back or you don't cut them back as far as the ultimate size or anything else. So it's kind of incredible. But the advantage of cutting them back after they finish flowering with the flushes is just an aesthetic thing more so than anything else. See, I don't have the roses are kind of gone right now. I just want to cut them back and see if they would come back again. Well, they're going to re, they're going to rebloom. Usually, after the first flush, after a flush is done, it takes about thirty days or so, and then during that time, you should put some rose food on. After each flush, you should re-fertilize your roses with rose food. So both of them, just uh, let them go now. Yeah, you don't have to cut them back unless you want to. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And you'll see the new growth. It should be coming real soon. If it's not started yet, it'll be reddish leaves, you know, coming out. And this is not, you know, rose rosette or anything. Reddish leaves, and then the buds will come right after those leaves. And so, yeah, I'm basically at the peak of my second flush, so I'm really happy with the way the knockouts have gone. 
Vicki lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Vicki. Hi. I have uh, a fiddly fig that is uh, way too tall, and I would like to cut it back. But what I would like to do is take a cutting from it and, and take a, make another plant. But every, every, every book that I have read says you have to air layer it, but it doesn't tell you how to air lay. Uh, basically, how, what this air layering, what this does is you actually, let's say, cut halfway around the bark of, let's say, the stem that you're going to, let's say, cut, that's going to ultimately be your new plant. Uh-huh. And then you're going to put some, I think you're going to put the rooting hormone on, like, in some peat moss and dampen it, but then wrap this peat moss that you put around this cut that you've made Wrap it around with something that's going to hold the moisture in. So I don't want to say, you know, a Ziploc bag or saran wrap or something like that. I forget exactly, you know, what it was. And then tie it. And then it's going to take probably, you know, a year or two before you're going to get enough roots to actually cut that off and then put that in potting mix and actually have your second plant. Oh, that's too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is a lot of trouble. Yeah, air layering, uh, you know, that's not something that normally people do. When I worked at the Botanical Garden, there's a lot of things that were air layered at that time, so I hadn't even thought about air layering. I used to fool with it just, you know, for the heck of it, and uh, it's, it's it's a lot of work, and you have to be very, very, very patient. Yeah, well, my granddaughter wants to take a, a one back to school with her, and she said, well, just take a cutting off it and give me one of yours. And uh, I thought, oh, okay, that's what I'll do. But, oh, I won't have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) She'll be out of college by then. Right. (laughs) Okay, thank you so very much. Certainly. Yeah, and what I would do is just get her a small one. Uh Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's probably the better way to do it. Fiddly figs, for people that don't know it, actually the, the leaf is huge, and it does somewhat look like a fiddle. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns. As I'm going to keep mentioning water because it is just unbelievably dry. And, you know, we did get a rain the other day. I forget which day it was, maybe on Tuesday or something. And that was kind of nice because it softened the ground. It didn't last for very long, but it rained kind of intensely. And then Wednesday is, a, you know, my I work two days a week in the yard. So Saturday after the show and after my, you know, walk and talks. And then on Wednesday, too, if I have, you know, after appointments. So it was nice to have the water, the ground already softened, and then I could water my lawns and get the water to penetrate deeper. And I'm going to tell you again, Deeper penetration is really crucial for the plant material. It doesn't matter. Yes, there are certain plants that have more surface roots than others, obviously. But they all have their feeder roots are in the top 15 inches of the soil, regardless of what it is. So even if it's not considered a, let's say, a classic surface rooting type plant, like the azaleas, rhododendrons, hollies, dogwoods, or all those kind of things. So if you do have questions, give us a call. Marilyn lives in Granite City. Marilyn, how are you? Hello, Marilyn. Silence. Silence is golden. I guess 
She figured out the answer to her question. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I'm sitting here, I have a list of all the garden clubs and plant societies in the region. So regardless of what your interest may happen to be, it is just amazing the difference, uh, you know, different types of clubs, whether it be garden-related, whether it be specific plant-related or anything else. So, like, there's the Flor de Lis Garden Club. Flor de Lis, that's going to be probably related to, guess what, Iris. There's a Belleville Area Rose Society. There's a Bonsai Society of St. Louis. There's the Caseyville Gardeners. There's Concord Garden Club. And this one's pretty funny. Daffy Dill, D-A-F-F-Y-D-I-L-L Garden Club. So, Daffy Dill Club and... Let's see, what else do we happen to have? Garden Society of Wildwood, Gateway Rock Garden Society, Gateway West, Jesnerian Society, that's the African Violet Society. So all kinds of different things. So if you do have any kind of interest whatsoever, you can get really good, quick information or well-established information by attending and going to meetings with these plant societies or garden clubs because these are people that are growing stuff themselves and they can really give you some insight on the ups, downs, and all-arounds on what you can expect. Marilyn lives in Granite City. Marilyn, how are you? Hello, Marilyn, are you there? Oh, I am, yes. Okay. I can't hear you, though. You can't hear me? Well, I hear you, but I can hear all the commercials. <laughs> well, we're not doing any commercials right now, so don't worry about it. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, is Mike there? I I can talk if he's there. Pardon me? Is this Mike? Yes, it is. Oh, well, God bless you. I just need to know... My use all need to be trimmed. What month or season or time should I do that? I would say any time except the heat of the summertime. And the reason why I'm saying that is because everything that you would cut off, then all the tips of the branches that are now left because you've cut off, let's say, X amount of inches or something, are suddenly going to be fully exposed to the sunlight and they could get sunburnt and that could do some at least aesthetic damage to your use. So sometime in the spring, sometime in the fall, sometime in the winter time, all those you know would be the time. I probably wouldn't do it, let's say, in the dead of winter time because there could be some damage due to cold. But for the most part, just watch out and do it when the we're kind of in the modified season. So spring or fall would be my recommendation. Oh, God bless. Thank you so much, Mike. Well, thank you, and thanks for calling, and thanks for having me on your show. Let's go now from Granite City over to Chesterfield. Holly, how are you? Thank you. Uh, I called in a few months ago about the 15 Hollies that I almost lost, and uh, I took care of them, sang to them, prayed to them, (laughs) uh, and they have come back with a vengeance. Uh, When can I trim them? Probably just the same time as you use. You certainly don't want to do it now. I would say now, these have been just recently installed, correct? No, they're uh, about uh, 18 years old. Oh, so they're pretty darn old. Uh, I didn't realize (laughs) they were that old. (laughs) But anyway, I would say 
Best time to do it. Are you into the berries? Are they that important uh, to you? Uh, yes, I am because the birds eat them during the winter. Time. Right, exactly. So, are you pruning them just because you want to prune? Are you bored with them the way they are? Uh, no, they're just going out of control. I mean, they 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 just I don't know what happened. Maybe you prayed for them too. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> they're just they're just growing crazy now, and and they look very um, uh, well. They look overgrown. Right, what they do. Uh, so, and, and I, I know I do enough gardening that I know not to trim them, but I just thought, am I asking for trouble if I do? Well, I, you know, selectively taking off some of the branches rather than just trying to shear them and make them look like a cone, like an ice cream cone Mm -hmm. would be my recommendation as opposed to anything, especially because you want the berries to form. Because if you do too much pruning, you're going to be pruning off the potential for the you know white flowers. Potential after the white flowering gets pollinated, then the red berries. So consequently, that's what you're looking at. Okay, but but my red berries come on kind of late, and if I prune them in the fall, it kind of cuts those berries off, doesn't it? It cuts those berries off, yes, and then it cuts the potential for flowers for the following year as well. Okay. So that's so. why I'm saying if you don't really selectively going and just taking you know out individual branches that you, that are let's say aesthetically causing you problems would be what I'd recommend as opposed to just shearing them and trying to turn them into you know a dramatic pyramid or something. Okay, so you're suggesting that I hand cut right. 15 hollies. <laughs> Is that what I'm getting from this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Then, okay. you know, you'd realize how big your biceps are going to be at the end of that. Uh, so you're just going to take a few branches off each one. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, okay. if you, you, let's say, use a hedge trimmer or something, you're still going to have to do all 15 of them. That's right. So. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Another <laughs> two days spent on the holidays. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mike. Sure. Uh-huh. And that's why I said if you don't, yeah, I mean, if it's strictly an aesthetic call, if they look wild and crazy, you know, th- be thankful that you have wild and crazy holly. There's plenty of hollies that don't look so good. And yours being the age they are, I guess they're American holly as opposed to foster or some of the other shrub-type hollies like Blue Prince, Blue Princess, because they start declining after they hit about the 15- or 18-year mark or 20-year mark. So if yours are you know, American holly, you got a long life for them to go, and I would just you know, personally just let them go. Let's go now to Belleville. We haven't been over to, oh, we were in Granite City earlier. And uh, let's go to Belleville, though, and into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. I've, I've, I've lived over in Belleville for about 40 years at my house, and I lost a beautiful bluegrass yard about 35 years ago to grubs. And I had a chance to take up zoysia from another person's yard, and I had a beautiful zoysia yard. And on the side where it's really, really still sunny, the last couple of years, I don't know if I'm getting the fungus or whatever. I have no weeds. I I, I dethatch. I do everything right. And this year, it's just it's just horrendous how it's 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 knocking it, and making it weak. I've tried fertilizing it with the, I get it at the seed house, a high number in the middle. I water, in fact, I watered this morning, and it just keeps on. And I did spread down a fungicide about three or four weeks ago. I sprayed it down. Is there anything I can do? Your your sidekick on a different station, they don't even recommend putting zoysia down anymore in the St. Louis area. 
Really? Well, I have a yeah. Zoiza lawn. I should have them come over and check mine out. Mine is nice. So, Have you had the fungus stuff at all? No. Or whatever it is. The, the ground in some places is almost kind of a oh, nasty-looking brown or reddish-brown. Yeah, I would say get get a soil test done because you may be causing more problems than you're doing good. But also, I was at a house, a gentleman I did a design for about 30 years ago. He and I have become fairly good friends over the years. I can, you know, do, you know, site visits back at his home. He has his always lawn. He's just, you know, and so what, he, you know, I said, well, let's take a look at this because he thought it was fungus related. But there's a bug called chinch, C-H-I-N-C-H, chinch bug. They're doing major damage to Zoiza lawns. And he is had the chinch bug. Pardon me? Is that, is that below where you don't see No, they're right the- on the surface. You know, we went out there and we just, you know, we got down on our hands and knees and kind of scraped around with our fingertips. And then you could see the chinch bugs kind of running around. They say you can't see them, but you can see them if you look closely. So I would think, you know, take a look at it, get a soil test done, go out there and see if you can see these chinch bugs. That's what, my, you know, and if it is the case, then go after them with an insecticide. Like we used to have a place on Main Street that did soil tests. Is it is it good just to go to like Lowe's or Home Depot and get a kit or something? No, home work? testing is not really all that good, to be honest with you. It's not, you know, it's just not going to do... You're not going to be able to read it and do what it's supposed to. Is there a place in the Belleville area anymore? Uh, so the one on, on Main Street is not there anymore? No, that's not there. So, because it was SGS Belleville, and that was 1511 East Main Street. So I would, yeah, and I don't, I don't that think. Building, that they sold that building. Oh, really? Those dirty yeah. rats. Yeah, but, a year or two ago. <laughs> anyway, there's. taken it there. Ethan's there should so, uh, so what will that tell so the soil if if I find a place they'll be able to tell me or no what they're going to do is just tell you what the nutrient level is because you may have too much phosphorus you may have too much potassium you, you're always going to have a lacking of nitrogen there's no getting around it because the nitrogen becomes a gas after just you know a few days of putting it down but you may have extravagant levels of things and that can have damaging effect to the overall health of your, you know, your zoiza or anything else, whatever you happen to be growing in this space. We're finding more and more. The, I have one of the nicest yards you've ever seen, and to see it go bye-bye like this is just, oh, <laughs> it is brutal. It's <laughs> mentally, this is the first time I ever called in. I'm just going nuts over my yard that I can't, I can't control it. Right, and it may be a matter of just old age. You know, I mean... You know, core aerating, composting, fertilizing, watering, doing everything just right doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a consistent lawn for, you know, decades. You've already had a couple decades worth of it. So that means even even Zoysia gets old. Absolutely. Just like people. Yeah, people get old. If I look in the mirror. It's a heavy Zoysia area. It's been many, many people have in the I haven't seen one yet, maybe there is, that, that looks like mine that's got this, and it seems like I'm spreading it somehow almost. <laughs> uh, you're not that evil. But anyway, so you just don't, you know, it could be, you know, get the soil test so done, soil take a look for the chinch bugs, 
and then also then start getting some plugs and putting some new plugs in or just get pieces of new Zoiza and just put them in where the existing Zoiza is and see how they perform, the new Zoiza, either the plugs or the pieces of sod. Okay, yeah. I know last year I started to see the the last year it started and i kept water and i kept everything like that and then this year at the beginning it all seemed fine but now this year it boy it's really i i got a problem I, well it, and it's, you have to realize with age and the way the weather has been where we had no spring or anything else and with the heat you know it's just it's really tough so good luck with that tom so again soil test and then check for the chinch bugs. Go online, look at chinch bugs, and then get down on your hands and knees in your lawn areas and start moving the blades away and see if you can see these little bugs on the surface of the ground. Thanks, Tom. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's see, where are we headed, Greg? Are we going to Breeze, Illinois? Let's go into Adam's yard in Breeze. Hi, Adam. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, I have some uh, young oak oak trees and sporadic. Um, their leaves look like they're shriveled up. It almost looks like melted plastic. I was wondering what that could possibly be. What Are they growing in the ground or in pots? Uh, they're in the ground. Okay, so... They're, they were planted anywhere from 8 to 10 years ago. So they're not really all that young. Well, no, but uh, their growth seems to be stunted on, on those those uh, particular trees. Take a look, you know, unroll, you know, unroll anything that looks like you rolled up or melted plastic or something like that. Look on the underside of the leaf. Is the leaf color good? Is it dark green like it should be, or is it, you know, let's say chartreuse? I'd say it's it's a lighter green than uh, than the other trees, uh, the healthier looking ones. Yeah. So my guess is it might be nutrients, even though they're growing all in the same space and things like that. These particular ones don't have a adequate developed root system to uptake enough nutrients, the right type of nutrients. And I'm assuming that you're acidifying the soil, keeping it, you know, the right pH for them. You're fertilizing them like deep root feeding, where you're augering holes and filling it up with compost. But uh, um, other than, as, other, oh, go ahead. As far as fertilizing and stuff, um, it's more of like a field edge planting and stuff like that, or replacement along the old tree line and things like that. Just reestablishment. So, um, really, haven't put a lot of fertilizer on anything. Yeah, I meant just you know, like composting. You know, feeding the soil is more so than like actually fertilizing per se. Now, are they, the group that is looking funky, are they all together? In other words, are they kind of spread out among this entire line or whatever it happens to be? They're spread out. I don't have them all next to one another. I have uh, other plantings in there as well, So, uh, just for variety. So it's just what I would do, rather than trying to fool around with them, if you've got other plantings and you're satisfied with lots of them, the ones that are underperforming, Rather than trying to figure out how to turn these things around at this age that they are, I would get rid of them. Okay. Rather than just, I mean, you could, people, we're spinning our wheels too often trying to save something, and the end result is not going to be all that satisfactory. I mean, other years they've looked really healthy. I, I just, uh, you know, the past couple of years they've uh, just 
a few particular trees have end up looking this way. Right. And if it's the same ones doing the same thing every, you know, for a couple of years, I'd say it's time for them to go. Okay. Save yourself the grief and the energy and spend your time on the ones that look good. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. <laughs> right. Get rid of those ugly plants. Thanks, Adam. And now let's go to Shirley and Winsville. Hi, Shirley. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I, I have a problem uh, with my backyard with, I don't know whether it's a fungus, um, but there's yellow spots. I pull all of this up, um, and it's it's really not in the gr- attached to the ground almost. It's just a layer of rotted, dried something, um, and the grass is attached to that, and you start pulling it up, and it, it just keeps going, you know, for what you pull up. I I sprayed a fungicide on it, um, and I know I do need to have a soil test done. I just haven't done that yet. Right. And I want to know if when I pull that up, if I have to get everything, there's still kind of a layer um, or, or threads, roots um, that are still kind of in the soil. Do I have to get every bit of that up, or when I put grass seed back down, will that grow in that? What kind of seed do you have, or what kind of lawn is this? Uh, I'm sure it's fescue. Okay, so it's fescue. Now, since you're in Winsville, how about wildlife? Uh, yes. So it's that could wildlife. be related to some of the some of the yellowing problems. You know, wildlife coming through and let's say urinating in these spots, that kind of thing. And you don't have a dog or anything, correct? I, I do have a dog, but I've been here for ten years. Uh, with a dog, and all of this is happening under the same circumstances. Nothing has changed. But what can happen is during that time, when you mix all these things together, everything was fine. But th- remember how odd this year has been weather-wise. And so that's going to be more stressful for you know, a lawn that, you know, regardless of what type it is and any kind of other circumstance, Weather-wise, then in the, historically in the past, so that may be related to the factor too. But these individual spots, if you, so you're saying it has, they have runners. So that is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know whether you'd call them runners or not, but there's there is more like long roots. I guess you could call them runners. Right. So I would say just you know, kind of, you're not going to be able to put any seed down this time of year. Just go, kind of forget about them and just leave those spots alone. Don't do anything. And then start going after it in mid to late August. That's the time when you're going to start putting the next, you know, let's say generation of seed in these individual spots. You might go out and just, I don't know how much you like to work in the yard. These individual spots, just, you know, take a shovel, flip that area over, and just uh-huh. kind of see what happens. Okay. I'll give that a try. Would would uh, lack of thatching make a difference in that or cause it? Yeah, I certainly could because the way to know if you have too much thatch in your lawn would be to take just a regular leaf rake and just rake, let's say, a three feet by three feet you know, square and see how much debris that you're raking up. I, I have done that, uh, and a lot comes up, and I thought that might be the, the problem uh, that started it, but I don't know how to stop it. Well, yeah, you can get yeah, you can get a dethatch, but again, you don't want to do it in the heat of the summertime. That's going to be something that you're going to want to do right before you put some new seed down. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I I have a lawn surface that that does this with with where I live, but um, 
I don't know whether they ever thatch or not. I don't remember ever seeing it. <laughs> Maybe you didn't ask them. They didn't. They just don't historically do it. But yeah, dethatching is something that should be done. Let's say every few years. Okay, uh, I'll look into that. So in the fall is the best time to do this. Absolutely. Now. Let's say mid to late August, then all the way up until oh, probably Halloween. Okay. Now I have another couple questions. Fast. Um, You're going to have I'm to look- do them kind of fast, Shirley. Okay, I'm looking for oh. a house. Oh, so, uh, Shirley, you're going to have to hold on. We can talk to you after the break. So, Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 